Are you ready to hear from the God of the universe? Yes. Yeah. I actually it's kind of a shorter time frame this morning, but there's something I need to address. When I made a mistake, I tried to own it. And last week I made a mistake. So here's my confession. I try to be very careful when I tell stories from this stage about my children. <laughs> and if I feel that the story might in any way indict one of my children or embarrass, I make sure to run that by them. I shared a story last week that was in no way, shape, or form embarrassing. It was a great story. Remember my story? Walking out to Alan's cabin eating his beans? As I was telling you that story from this stage on Sunday morning, there were three characters in the story. Do you remember? Me, Salem, and Austin. And I realized that I had not clarified with them what I was calling Austin. So I said, Sayla's and then I, I, you couldn't see it, but I was having this moment of I said, Sayla's friend, Austin. <sighs> now you need to understand, they did not give me grief, but I, I, we were at the lunch table, Austin came over for lunch, and I said, guys, I had this moment of panic, and I realized, I didn't clarify with you, but I was going to call Austin in front of, like, our entire church. And so in that moment, I just said, Sayla's friend, Austin, and Sayla chuckled and she said, yeah, I got a lot of grief on my way out of church on Sunday. <laughs> so here's the correction. So we went on this hike <laughs> with Sayla and her boyfriend, Austin. Some reflection 
and potentially some repentance. King David, you know the story from the Bible, the character from the Bible, some of you have heard of him before. King David was known as the man after God's own heart. He loved the Lord. He made some, some, some significant errors, some gross errors that we know of because of the story. Uh, but King David loved the Lord, and he wanted to honor the Lord. And he, when he became king and he was finally established, he built himself a really, really nice house. In fact, he spent several years building himself uh, a palace for the king. And after he moved into his house, one day he's sitting at his new, you know, bay window, and he's looking out at the view, sipping his cup of espresso that was handed to him by one of his many servants. And he looked across and he realized that God was still living in a tent. Remember the tabernacle? So there's God living in a tent, and here he's living in a palace, and he feels bad about this. And he says, well, that's not right. So he goes to the Lord and he says, hey, uh, I would like to build you a house as well. And God actually responded and said, I don't need a house. I really like my tent. And David said, no, I want to build you a house. And God said, um, actually, I don't want you to build me a house. You're a man that has shed much blood. Your son can build me a house. So David, uh, in preparation for this, while he was still alive, King David took up an offering for this future project. He took up an offering with the people of Israel, and then he contributed to that offering of his own wealth, and David was surprised at the amount that the people donated. He was actually taken aback by it. But listen to his response. This whole, this is a longer text, but I'm going to, I'm going to read the whole thing because it's, it's powerful. This is David's response as he's presenting this generous offering to the Lord. First Chronicles 29, verse 10. It says, so David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in heaven and on the earth, yours is the dominion. Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honors come from you. You rule over all, and in your hand is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you, and from your hand we have given to you. For we are strangers before you, Temporary residence, as all our fathers were, our days on the earth are like a shadow. There is no hope. And yet, Lord, all this abundance that we have provided to build a new house for your holy name, it is from your hand, and everything is yours. And a great prayer. God, 
everything belongs to you. And so even in this moment of generosity, we recognize that everything that we would give to you, including the capacity to give to you, is something that we previously received from you. Because it all belongs to you. First truth is this, is that true generosity is a response to God's generosity. There is actually, and maybe you've observed this, there actually is a broken form of generosity. And that is those who out of their own brokenness and a search for wholeness look for that through overextending themselves to others in an unhealthy way. That's broken generosity. True generosity is a response to God's generosity. David makes two claims. First, everything is from God. And second, I didn't deserve any of it. True generosity is a response to God's generosity. Second story. Generosity is actually not a product of affordability. 
statistically speaking, and I'm, I'm hesitant oftentimes to use statistics because a statistic doesn't mean it's true for everyone, but it means it's generally true. Statistically speaking, generosity declines as a person's wealth increases. That's the norm. Because true generosity is not a product of wealth or affordability. True generosity flows from a life given fully to God. And I'm just talking about financial generosity. I'm talking about a life given away to the purposes of God. Jumped in on 
that, our first home, and helped bring down the cost of that, uh, our first home, in a number of different ways. So many people helped in different projects. I remember a late Saturday night with Ita and Jeff Harrison spraying texture on uh, our new home because they offered to do it. It was really an amazing and humbling experience. You guys remember the story? You know where I'm going with this? Some of you will remember this. So we closed on the house. Um, we actually had friends lend us the construction money to bring down the cost of financing. It was really it was amazing. We closed on the house uh, and ended up with a very, very small, reasonable monthly payment. It was actually less than rent by a just feeling so blessed, so overwhelmed. We had been in the house for maybe uh, two months. We moved in February, it was in April. And I was out in my driveway on a Saturday, and I was finishing up some details on the outside of the house, so I had some tools out. And uh, we had a new neighbor, a lovely lady. I actually still don't remember her name, I'm sorry, lovely lady. But she would walk past her house daily uh, with this little fluff ball tied to a string. Um, they, uh, she would walk down and, and check her mail, and then she would walk past her directly. Uh, I assume she was she seemed easily beyond retirement age, so uh, and I believe uh, she was living alone. I gathered a couple things, so I'm out there and I'm looking. I just have a couple of items. She sees me and she comes into the driveway. She said, Excuse me, can I ask you a question? I said, Of course. I introduced myself. She said, I have uh, just a small distance from my door to my garden gate. It's about, I would say, maybe eight or nine feet. And now that the ground, the ground has thawed, it's become very muddy. It's very dangerous for me to walk. I'm afraid I would fall. I was wondering if maybe you had a board that was like maybe, maybe slightly bigger than a foot wide and about nine feet long that I could just lay on the ground for my pathway. I had gotten rid of basically all the construction of builders. It's like one board. That was nine feet long, about 14 inches tall. It was a VCI, perfectly suited for what she needed. And as I heard her describe it, I decided that I might need that board. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I don't And then she left. And I wrenched my clothes and poured ashes on my head because I was mortified at the exposure of my own selfishness in response to this exceedingly great generosity that we had been the beneficiaries of. No, I think 
and might, I don't have any idea how or why or what, but I might need that one useless board that perfectly fits your need right now. So I shared that story at church. At the time, I didn't actually know where she lived. And Becky Paul came up to me after the service, and she said, I know who that is, and I know where she lives. So she, to this day now, has a lovely piece of BCI that spans the difference from her, the distance from her back door to her garden gate. Do you understand that generosity flows from right relationship with God? It's not a product of having enough of the stuff. You can pile on a whole bunch more, and it wouldn't change your attitude. It's encountering God that changes everything, and encountering Him in a way that is sufficient. His grace is abundant. I am okay. My need is met in Him. Psalms 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Whatever enemies that I face right now, whatever enemies you face, when you're in the presence of God, your cup continues to overflow. To know God rightly, to say yes to God fully, to receive from Him abundantly, so that I can overflow richly. If your life is not overflowing richly, number four, the bottom. I'm actually not here to tell you that you should be more generous. Because Paul refuses to do that. He says, I am not telling you to be more generous. I'm telling you that when you experience God for who he truly is, it will produce generosity in your life. If you're not overflowing richly, Maybe it's because you don't receive from God abundantly. Maybe it's because you've looked to other broken sources to get your need met and you're constantly disappointed and starving. Because you have not looked to God in His abundance of grace to have my need met. Or maybe because it's not you haven't said yes to God fully. Or maybe because you don't know Him. Whatever intelligent explanation that you would provide to excuse or explain away an ungenerous lifestyle, that is a lie that you tell yourself and others to disguise the true quality of your relationship with Jesus. Because transformation in relationship with Jesus will always produce a generous life. Not much time and money. A generous life. Second Corinthians 8 9. Chris, you guys can go ahead and come up. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that through his poverty you might become rich. That's the whole gospel. Philippians 2, that God set aside in order to come 
meet with us, make himself poor, so that you could share in his rich inheritance, which you did not and could not earn access to. This is the whole gospel. So this week and next week, as we take some time to look at what God is doing through other organizations, through missionaries around the world, if you find yourself holding back, Giving our lives away.